Tomorrow night? Sure thing. Curtain rises at eight sharp with the Kansas Cyclone. Don't get blown away in it. A charming combination of fun and fancy. Harmony and humor. Scenic marvels. Cast of 75 people. Mostly girls. 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 Beauties. 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 Oh. That, my friends, is from a June newspaper advertisement before the first ever public appearance of the Wizard of Oz musical <gasps> extravaganza. I am Tara. I'm MK. Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> and you are not, not, not ready for our season beginning of Down the Yellow Brick Pod. Comic Operetta Q. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. It is so good to have you back here in our season two beginnings. And this is a pretty cool start that we're having for season two because we get to now really see how the book came off the page. We started our first season literally only in the original text. We didn't steer too far away from the original L. Frank Baum, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And now Mm -hmm. we're going to witness it bloom off the page for its first time and be embedded in our cultural fabric, which it's interesting to think about because it feels like Wizard of Oz has just always been so present in Mm -hmm. our culture. But this is really getting to see the slow um, seep into our bloodstream of how... It just became so present in all these different um, interpretations. And um, I mean, they all kind of became their own entities, too. Like Mm -hmm. this musical extravaganza, which is where we're going to start. You got to hear the amazing advertisements. I mean, we just can't stop laughing because it feels so archaic and um, (laughs) hilarious and how archaic it is. It's a time capsule. So let us start with... um, just what you dug up in terms of how did this musical come to be? Like, okay, the book happened, but mm-hmm. like, who said this should be a musical? Who said this should tour the country? Um, how did this all come about? Em, what did you find? Oh my gosh. Well, hello, listeners. Buckle up. <laughs> I mean, let it be known, I have like 14 pages of research for this, and I barely know what's going on. Because it's it's tricky to research something that is 120 mm-hmm. years old that's not a book like we had. So this is a very different experience. Um, and we'll mention people who we are reaching out to in order to understand this And our resources, fully. yes. Yes, for sure. But here is my understanding. So we have the book, and I, lo- I would love to present L. Frank Baum was a man of the theater even yes. before writing. Yes. He's definitely like a, I picture. A thespian. He's a thespian. <laughs> I pictured him as like a jack of all trades type guy. Like it totally makes sense that he would think we should probably make this into a stage production. Well, I think something I had also dug up was he kind of moonlighted as a low-key composer just for fun, which <laughs> is just, did. like, so wild that he had he all these, like, little skills that he, like, nurtured. Kind of... I just imagine him having, like, a million front burners. He yes. had so many things on front burners. I don't know how he kept I don't all know those how straight. He, I don't know, Maude, I guess. married and kids and... Oh, my gosh. 
Just a lot. A lot. So keep in mind, let it be known, Baum is the credited book writer. Yes, of of this musical. This musical. It is not taken straight from the novel. It's not just like a novel to oh dear god stage no. <laughs> get ready the plot <laughs> you will is nonsense if you think Return to Oz is uh, intense no, Return to Oz is a masterpiece this is, <laughs> this is I don't know what this is <laughs> this nightmarish thank you thank you thank you nightmare <laughs> later on Glenn McDonough was hired on as a joke writer after Bomb had finished the script because his puns were he's the wah, we, all, we know he's the most punniest <laughs> man in the universe you needed some cleaning up paul teachens wrote music that as we'll discuss was later yeah, most cut, of cut, it cut, cut, snip, erased snip. yep um but still credit it that's a big still deal credited. still made a buck off of this <laughs> go paul extravaganza ww denslow returns welcome back our set and costume designer and there will be drama later on in these relationships. Yes. Be known. And he was the original illustrator. Original illustrator of, of the book. Right. So once they sort of got this all together, the music, the lyrics, the libretto, they submitted the package to the manager of the Chicago Grand Opera House, Fred R. Hamlin, mm-hmm. who liked it. And he approached Julian Mitchell to be director, which I read Julian Mitchell was like one of the top notch. He's the yes. Jerry Zacks of 1903. <laughs> However, Mitchell did not really love the script. Right. Um, he thought it wasn't, like, glamorous enough. There wasn't enough spectacle. It was too small. Uh, however, he sent a wire that said, can see possibilities for extravaganza, which is a word that we will say many a times. So Mitchell, that, this was when he started bringing in new songwriters and began to cut many of uh, of Paul's original numbers. And with Glenn, they rewrote the script. They introduced new characters, um, which we'll talk a little bit about those specifics later on. Um, And from what I found, it seemed like Baum was kind of frustrated with this and and bummed. But he didn't really have, like, a lot of control, perhaps, over some of these changes that were being made. And he sort of just went along I mean, it seemed like maybe he was, you know, one versus two or three or four uh, in this vision. Yeah, I wrote in a note of mine, like, oh my, there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Lots of cooks in the kitchen. And the original creators relinquished their control because this wasn't really their world. They did not know how to market this weirdly mashed up musical mutation thing they had going on, which we'll get more into. Musical mutation. But they didn't know how to put this world of Oz into show business. So I think they knowingly relinquished control and also with frustrations. Like, it just, I guess it's anytime you have to give up, like, anything that feels like a baby of yours that you birthed to other, other hands. Like, this totally took on a whole new life of its own. Right. Um, in that. And Em and I keep calling this extravaganza like the old school Moulin Rouge because yes. there if you know Moulin Rouge, which is now on on Broadway pre-pandemic and mm-hmm. will hopefully be back when um Broadway does reopen, mm-hmm. it was one of it was one of the shows that was doing the best. Hot, hot, yeah. Hot, 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 hot girls, hot. girls, girls. Girls, girls, girls. Beauty, beauty, beauty. <laughs> That's what was in the papers. <laughs> so it was doing really well. But also Moulin Rouge, it has a million composers to There's it. There's so many songs, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's another kind of like mashup. And this right. is honestly 
the extravaganza was this a Tin Pan Alley Moulin Rouge. I love that. Which is kind I, of cool. I think that really helps paint the picture in my mind because I will preface, I've been having a hard time imagining even what this was, like, other than looking at photos and trying Which to. Which there are few. There yeah. are, yeah. There's it's, not a ton. It's just tricky. But. And the they sh- feel creepy. They just feel a little creepy. No. Like, it feels like you're looking at, like, Go. a haunted mansion. <laughs> Go Google. Version of Oz. But also some of it, though, is stunning. It's, I mean, it's gorgeous if you remember, like, this is 1903, 1902. Yeah. This is not 2021 There's no radio yet. No. There's, this was the entertainment of the time. was it. This was how you would spend a night out on the town. Which is pretty cool. Okay. So, the show did finally premiere at the Chicago Grand Opera House Mm -hmm. on June 16th, 1902. And then, da-da-da-da, it moved to the Majestic Theater on Broadway, which at the time was in Columbus Circle. Not true to this day. And I read that it opened on January 20th, 1903. It could be January 21st, but January 20th is my birthday, y'all, so... This feels this right. This must mean something. This must. <laughs> I know it was supposed to my open. My soul is like in that show somewhere. It was supposed to open on the 15th. And <gasps> I, I was reading because I was like, you told me it opened on your Ooh. birthday. And I was like, wait, it says the 15th. But then it got delayed. It to got the delayed for me. Got, this is what it was. I knew you were coming 100 years. <laughs> 90 years 100 later. 100 years later. Um, it did run for 293 performances. That was a feat at the time. That was the, that mo- was that was the old school cats. That was like there how Cats was in our lifetime. Yes. It was wildly successful, wildly popular, and it even toured with the original cast. There were so many iterations that we'll get into, but that is the main beginnings of my research. We'll get into so much more, but anything that you found of note, Tara, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Well, I am blessed to be holding on my lap. (laughs) This book by Mark Evan Schwartz called Oz Before the Rainbow. Because this, this fine lad, Mark, if you're listening, Mark. went and took the time to really um, get the details of the everything that happened before the MGM film to be like, hey, like Wizard of Oz was really popular before the MGM took off, which yes. is important to keep noting because right. it didn't just appear. We just had an interview with Joseph Rubin, who reminded us, too, in the 30s when they were starting to talk about doing The Wizard of Oz, the MGM, how certain people were like, no, that's like, you can't do that. That's blasphemy against this 1902 production that right. was still in people's brains. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago at the time. I also remember hearing in something or reading in something that some people were like, um, Fred Stone, he must play the Scarecrow. And For like, sure. Fred Stone was like, it was in like his, 40 years later. Yeah, he was in like, like, no, thank you. Oh, God, on his body. I can't even imagine. Yikes, but yeah, like, that would be bad. He wasn't. He wasn't gunning for the role. Let's just put it that way. But this is like how we do things today. I mean, as we found out last week, there will be a new Wizard of Oz movie uh, coming soon. We're not sure when. But, I mean, I can already feel myself tensing and being like, what's it going to be? Like, who are you going to oh, have so in hard. it? So it's funny to think of the 1939 movie that has become... In our ingrained in our brains, like people were against that at first because of this musical, right? As you mentioned, right, 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 right. Um, okay, so this 
Um, I think it's the first chapter starts. It's called Collaboration and Conflict, which is just great. great so great. it dives a little bit deeper into M what exactly what you shared. But I love this to start because it also sounds so very L. Frank Baumy. Is he <laughs> told three different versions about how the musical came to be? Of course, which he did. is like this is a common theme. Anytime we research Baum, it's like, oh, what version did he tell? This day. This time. He just had, I think his imagination was just overactive and he liked to, you know, embellish a little bit here and there. For sure. But he said um, the first one was Paul Teachin's idea. He first said that um, he was going to try it out as a comedy, but then the musical um, part came in with Paul Teachin's, who was one of his friends, Mm -hmm. um, and they they decided to turn Oz into a full-on comic opera. Mm. Um, and then he said that Fred Hamlin and director Julian Mitchell were the ones t- to suggest to make it a musical extravaganza, which we will break down that word. What is an extravaganza, you might ask? We will break that down soon. Um, and then Baum said this story, of course, in an interview later, that a lady suggested to me the idea of making the story into American fairy extravaganza, a proposition so audacious that it nearly took my breath away. So that was another, like, kind of, like, news reporter moment where he kind of, uh, Mm-hmm. You know, just fabricate it. those details. Give a the little people bit. what they want. But he said he never thought it could be on stage in that interview. Um, but then his friend Paul Teachin suggested it could become a musical. So that was another kind of uh, weird version of how this maybe could have come to be. But here's what is the most accurate version of probably most likely how it came to be. Um, because it comes from Teachin's own personal diary. So he first met Baum in 1899, and the two began collaborating in March 1901 on a never-to-be-produced non-Oz musical with two working titles, The Octopus of and course. The Title Trust. Of course. <laughs> in June of that same year, William Wallace Denslow heard some of Teachin's music at a dinner party and suggested that the young man... So Tejans was like in his mid-20s at the time, write the music for a play based on The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. So Baum resisted this idea because he did not wish to work again with Denslow for their collaboration on the novel had been, I love how um, Schwartz says this, somewhat unharmonious. Oh no. (laughs) Which, of course, we've talked about in season one. So they were highly influenced by comic operas of the time. I think like Gilbert and Sullivan is noted here. Um, Teachens was an avid theater goer. And things were smooth at first. Mm -hmm. Um, There is an account from Baum's son, Robert, who remembers them all collaborating in their home on the lake saying the three of them cutting up like a bunch of schoolboys. Paul Teachens would pound on a piece on the piano and father would sing the words or perhaps do a tap or eccentric dance accompanied by the ferocious looking Denslow. So at first, like it was uh, going pretty well, but difficulties started to arise in the money department um, when they were trying to make the splits and all of that, like who would get more. I think Denslow ended up settling um, for less and, This is when they got producer um, Fred Hamlin involved Mm -hmm. at Chicago's Grand Opera House. And this is when they started pitching to Julian Mitchell, who was the director. Like, yes, totally. Like, he was the greatest showman (laughs) of the day. Hugh Jackman. And Teachens noted in his diary that Hamlin did not very much like either the book or the music of The Wizard of Oz show. But something appealed about it to him. And Fred Hamlin 
saw an omen in the word wizard because his mm. family had been successful with a wizard oil. So he was like Ooh. a insane marketer and, you know, business, savvy businessman. And wizard, that word, that's the word. strums up a lot. That's the hashtag. In a, in a, that's the hashtag. <laughs> that it strums up a lot in our American, I think, yes. um, obsession with mysticism and magic. Power. Yes. Yeah. And wizard yeah. just has like such a, such, it packs a punch. There's a Z. So yeah. he saw the marketing potential in this thing but didn't really like like an american the script that bomb submitted to hamlin and mitchell was never published never published but there's a surviving copy where is it that clearly shows the author's original dramatic vision which was fairly true to the original novel but quite different from what later came to be produced okay the original musical is pretty much the same at the top um there is a there is Dorothy, there is Uncle Henry and Aunt Em. We know Uncle Henry and Aunt Em will get caught later and just become a random father, I think. A father mm-hmm, figure. Mm-hmm. And it was dialogue-free at the top. It was all a pantomime, the cyclone, because that of stayed. Mm-hmm. And then Country of the Munchkins was next. Opening chorus there. Um, the witch is dead. The Munchkins greet Dorothy as a sorceress. Good witch enters. Munchkins mm-hmm. sing a song called Farewell, Sweet Stranger. <laughs> and then uh, Dorothy goes about her journey. So there's Kind of the this the setup that we know. She meets the scarecrow. Um, he laments on his lack of a brain. He has a song. Road through the forest. They have meet the Tin Woodman. Um, the lion does not speak, and that will kind of remain. Mm-hmm. Lion is completely pantomime, so he doesn't unfortunately have a Sad. song ever yeah. in these productions. Um, Deadly Poppy Field. Uh, the Poppy Chorus is a song that did stay. That was a Paul Teachin song. All right, that Paul, did not one. get cut. You got it, one. it hung in there. The Tin Woodman and the Scarecrow <laughs> carry Dorothy out of the field t- during a song called The Death Song. Great. Um, Love it. And the Queen of Field Mice is there. So this is like <gasps> the original version. Yes. The only thing that was pretty strikingly different was there was no Wicked Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, Such and a also, weird detail. the Guardian of the Gate is like suspicious of the great and powerful Oz. So there's Ooh. some music that indicates that suspicion. Um, he would be. Th- Dorothy has like this longing song to go back to Kansas called I Know that she sings to the wizard. Very interesting. Um, wizard sings a song called When You Want to Fool the Public. Wish I could hear that. That Jill is right. So yeah, there's all this occurs. Um, there's the forest of fighting tree song. I mean, none of this makes it into this production. Sorry, Paul. It- it's really... I'm freakish. Okay, here's where I get really excited. Tell me, tell me. There is a forest witch. That would be yes. I was like, I would be in for this role. The forest witch? Yes! Okay, and the Tin Woodman, I think, falls in love with her. Oh, no. But she says she's too wicked for love, so then she sings a song called, I'm freakishly wicked. Freakishly wicked? Before she exits. So that's like, she has a princess track. Where's the sheet music? To quote our last episode Bring of Valentine's Day, yep. Princess mm-hmm. Track, she sings "I'm Freakishly Wicked" and she pieces. I was like, "This forest this would switch." Be, I would love to. Play sounds this like role. everything. Right. I mean, I'm it just—it just is so all over the place. Oh my god! I think uh, this is where the Tin Woodman. I think also is reunited with like. His long lost love in this one, in this right, version. Right. Um, yes, he is. His long lost munchkin love, he's reunited with. Um, Aww, and he good. becomes king of the munchkins with her at okay. the end of this. Get it? Uh, and like the scarecrow, I think, goes back to Emerald City. So that happens. Um, Dorothy says she has no royal aspirations at the end and says, I'm going to sing a Peace. milkmaid song. So she sings that. <laughs> milkmaid. 
And then she clicks her silver shoes together three times. So the shoes are in this version. Yeah, they are. And they're silver. Yes. The show ends in Auntie M's embrace. Okay. Okay. So like none of this basically happens, but right. that this was a whole other version. The original script that pretty much is close enough with like kind yeah. of the omission of the Wicked Witch of the West. That's it's the biggest thing. Pretty close. Yeah. Like Oz is still there. We didn't really talk about Oz, but he's still there. The giant head right. is also they only did the giant head, which is interesting. They didn't choose to do all the other mm-hmm. um Budget. archetypes. Budget. Which is interesting because that's what kind of happens later on and we only know the talking head in the MGM film. Right. The main thing that did happen though in this version that will go on into the into the other version, which I can't wait to hear you talk about that plot. <laughs> um, is that Dorothy becomes a little bit older. Like she's now a teenager, we're thinking. Um but she's not as well developed as she was in the book. She's mm-hmm. not so refreshingly direct. She um she's kind of scrubbed to be squeaky clean damsel in distress. That like that right. starts yeah. to come in, mm-hmm. which Kind of carries all the way out throughout to the MGM film. Yes. Dorothy kind of loses her, like, her Girl Scout badges. For sure. Because that's, <laughs> I mean, 1900s, gosh, how women were expected to behave. Can you just see my note? My role, Forest Witch. I have the Forest Witch circled and I wrote my <laughs> Tony role. Award winning. Yeah, I really found to be the most interesting thing of this iteration was the Guardian of the Gate questioning the wizard's power. Yeah, fascinating. And they also said he kept his balloon at the ready whenever he'd have to make like a quick <gasps> a fly quick dart out of there. I was like, oh, right. this is cool. I was yeah. like, what a cool version that never existed. I know, I'm bummed. But they were really excited about how they could use the chorus in this version, like the munchkins, mm-hmm. poppies, fighting trees, hammerheads. We're in. Bring Glinda's bodyguards. Back. Glinda's bodyguards. Okay, so that was the original version, but now um, oh, Julian Mitchell's incredible. like, absolutely. Excuse me, we're not doing not. that. We're not doing that at all. I'm going to change this whole no, thing on no, up. No. So then here's, let's define an extravaganza. Let's yes, define let's do it. this bizarre. Because um, that was how it was marketed. Element. Yeah, it's like a million musical theater and <laughs> opera and burlesque elements. So. Yeah. Um, how would you define the extravaganza? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, not a literary definition, but to me, an extravaganza feels like almost a circus or yeah, a fair totally or yeah. like there's lights, there's going to be crazy costumes, there's going to be colors, you're going to feel mm-hmm. overwhelmed. It's a spectacle. Is it about the musical. plot? It, I think the plot does not no, matter. we are shaking our heads. If you leave <laughs> and you have no idea... We were talking about this with cats. If you leave, leave and have no idea, and know, have no idea what happened, that's not the point at all. If you were focusing <laughs> on the, if you were focusing on the plot, you missed it. Like you missed something. You should just be like. In this time, they didn't have entertainment to go home to. No, uh, as um, we, we were, do, we, as yeah. we were talking about earlier, and as we do, we have so much to choose from. So it was just like we're in the theater, we're around people. It was like three and a half hours long. You could talk. You're escaping. You could talk to the stage too. Like that was also something. <laughs> encore. You could hey, yell hey, encore. There was yeah. like a dialogue between the audience. I picture it as like an experience, whereas yes. maybe more so when I go to the theater now, I want to be really polite i want to be quiet yeah sure unless it's you know a specific type of yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah um and i know that there's unspoken rules yeah. there's unspoken rules they've typically put for the most part a lot of thought into the development of this yep. the everything making sense but i feel like if i were living through this time and i went to see the show i would probably be drunk going to it <laughs> i would be like dressed in my finest and just 
Well, in the New York Times review that I read about this, there was truly a line that was like, more tights than you could ever imagine. That's what it was about. It was it People was were very focused on that, yeah. That you were seeing kind of a more scandalous nature. Yeah, this extravaganza, just to like <laughs> name some technical terms, like uh, totally hodgepodged comic opera, farce comedy, so like this broad kind of comedy with like, yeah, plot, we're just throwing out the window. No plot. Mm-hmm. Pantomime, which is dialogue-free moments in the show that rely on like Extra, extra, read all about it movements. Extra, extra. Spectacle, again, plot doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. using a lot of people and bodies on stage. Overemphasizing, being colorful, elaborate, all of that. Special stage effects. Vaudeville, which is, like, unrelated music. Just, you know, joining together in short sketches, which totally happen. Especially, we'll get into Fred Stone and David yes. Montgomery. They were a comic vaudeville minstrel show team that um, basically just brought in their rep book into into the world of Oz, which is so random. That's like me going into Wicked. Let's just say this. That's like me going into Wicked. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to sing Defying Gravity. Can I sing this song that I sing all the time? It's called um, Gimme Gimme from Thoroughly Modern Millie. Can I sing that? Can instead? I do that? And they're like, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so that's like kind of what was happening with the vaudeville element. Oh Burlesque, definitely, especially in the scantily clad yes, poppy girls. The legs. Give us the legs. <laughs> yes, um, I love racially, racially clad is what they wrote in this book. Um... <laughs> Oh, yeah. And this is something to note. A lot of the chorus girls played males as well. That was pretty typical mm-hmm. of the day. And, of course, we, we cannot forget minstrel shows was a yes. big part of this. Which, 100%. Um, centers around imitations of black Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, stereotypes. So stereotyped. Mm-hmm. Includes blackface. So this is a big yeah. stain in our musical theater history because, as we know, mm-hmm. minstrel um, shows are a big influence um, on musical theater in general. Um, but it's really unfortunate and hard to talk about yeah. now because it's such a over-the-top stereotype based in no reality. Um, except white people um, getting entertainment value out of it. exactly. So that is a huge part of this, and we will know now and here. We are unsure of what songs Mm -hmm. um, in this musical that perhaps are even in blackface. We're not quite sure. We've seen some photos. We've One photo makes us question if there was blackface right. in this production. Um, they typically, and I'm saying this um, as a just a trigger warning in front of it, um, they typically, in our research, use the words coon songs, which is words I would never use, but and that's what we've been mm-hmm. seeing as some of the ways to describe some of this the music that is mixed into this musical extravaganza. So not to bring us completely down, we have to hold that as that was a part of this. For sure. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I wrote plots. Boo! Boo! Just like no plots. We talked about this with our interview with um, Joseph. Yes. (laughs) About how Teachens was just like, I will never again do anything like this. I feel sad for him. He went through it. He just wanted to be a composer, you know, and he tried to, he tried his darndest, but it didn't, didn't go well. It didn't go well. Um, There's a note in here that um, his diaries just kind of abandoned. Yikes. The time when they were putting up the show. Yeah. And, um... Joseph shared with us that he had heard he had a breakdown. So that's not in this book. But that makes sense to um, what we're seeing. But yeah, I'm, you're completely right. This resembled a huge circus element. Like, this just feels so circusy. 
Yeah. And every every element of it and all yeah. over the place. Um and Bomb was just kind of like half in, half out. I could see that. Yeah, I think he was excited about the possibilities of this, but like also queasy about yeah. what this was doing. I can't I mean I can't imagine having created this world, written the novel, and having to sort of let go of control and have so many people see it. Yeah. And be at the whims and mercy of the theater. And, I mean, it, going back to what you were mentioning earlier about the quarreling <laughs> over royalties, which, like, began even before it premiered. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, originally, they wanted an equal three-way split between Baum, Teachens, and Denslow. Yeah, that did not go off. But Baum and Teachens thought Denslow was overpaid for his limited contributions, while Denslow thought he deserved half since he was... Um, Scenic design? He was scenic design, Costumes. and he like had copyright for the novel right, as well. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it says it led to the end of their, as we know, the end of their partnership. You know what? Theater is known to tear <laughs> some people apart, especially over money. It's so, just because it is money. That money is such a high stake in the theater world because right. it, theater is so impermanent and it costs so much. Right. So there's so like you, endless yeah, risk. The stakes are high involved, yep. and like we know that Bomb and Denslow were also like on thin ice. Mm-hmm. Before this, like, they've kind of always skated off into not-so-stable waters. Yeah. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that this whole world of showbiz <laughs> would ruin their relationship. Not right. surprised. It's yeah. ruined many, many a many, relationship. Many uh, friendship. Okay, should we now talk about what actually happens in Chicago, oh which yes. there is no known script for the Chicago production that has been known to survive. No. Because, you know, things to survive 121 years later, especially when, like, no one was thinking about, like, preservation, really, no. at this time. It, it just, just kind like, of was here it is. happening. And we're lucky we have anything. We know anything about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we go. Let's, let's uh, one tag team. Oh my the, gosh, let's do the it. The original synopsis. Yes. Also fun to note that this was the first time The Wonderful was dropped. Keep that in mind. Yes. The Wonderful was dropped for the stage because, version. Because, yeah, it needs to be flashier. They're like, okay, wizard. Just highlight that word. Yeah, I think yeah. they just wanted to be shorter and roll off people's tongues a little bit easier. All right, here we go. So we're going to start on that Kansas farm. And that pantomime totally does stay in place. Yep. But here's what I can't I can't with them, and I'm sure you can't with either. I mean, we're going to love on Imogene. We love Imogene. Imogene the cow replaces Toto. Why, you may ask? Can't tell you. Other than a, cu- a cow is easier it, yeah. for a human to a play. A human to play. <laughs> so I... Strange. I think there was some musical that used, like, a musical operetta that used a cow before yes, this time. So they, like, yeah, they were inspired in by my memory, yes. using the cow. But okay. here's what I loved. Mm-hmm. There's a golfer looking for his golf ball. What is that about? Roaming the farm. And then he flirts with the farm maid. I just Why? want that track. Because you know that track, like... Outrageously flirts with My me. musical theater brain is on. Like, you know, like, when you get your breakdown when you're in the ensemble of a musical, mm-hmm. like, it would say, like, go- flirting golfer. Like, that's what it that's would say. That's all it is. You get to create the character. <laughs> and I'd be so excited to play that. So, as you mentioned, Aunt Em and Uncle Henry are not there. But no. she does mention Ooh. a father. And Gail. And Gail! Her yes. last name comes in because it's not Her in the Her last original. name. This is the first time which we were talking about the word Gail. It literally just means a really strong wind. Yeah, it like was a, a pun, tornado. which I didn't so, actually know though, there you go. until this. I did not know it was a pun. But yeah, um, the cyclone comes on in. The cyclone, from what I've read, the cyclone scene was about... The Kansas farm into the cyclone was about 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, wow! Just because of how intense... 
they and the time it took to use the kind of projections that they right. were doing to make the cyclone happen. But people mm. like the reviews would say you have to see the first. It was a big fifteen deal. minutes of the show of how they wow. did this cyclone. Um, but then they land in Oz. Um, so all these people are taken, correct? Am I wrong in that? This is where I have questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. Because this is when we get those other rando characters who, like, want to so, take over the throne of Oz. So, like, I think everyone so kind of comes with. The golfer and the girl he's flirting with, maybe? Do they come? <laughs> but Imogene and Dorothy uh, definitely come. They and they come. land in an all blue. All blue munchkin land. And there's cool. a maypole. And everyone's maypole. dancing around the I think maypole. the maypole eventually got cut, but it was in this Chicago production. Oh, my gosh, yes. So, apparently, Dorothy's house has fallen, and again, it has accidentally killed the Wicked Witch of the East. Now my new dream role is coming in. Here we go. Cynthia Cinch. That's me. Cynthia Cinch, who is also known as a, lo- a, lun- a lady of lunacy. I have lady, lady lunatic. Lady lunatic is what? what they refer to her as. I Why? kind of feel like an Ophelia <laughs> vibe from her. Yeah, kind of like what's going on we're, there? We're going for crazy women. I think it's you from, know that's so original. That's what made me a little upset, and it's because of like a man, right? It's because yeah. of she was like she's lost her man, I guess. She had been a sales lady at one <laughs> of the land of Oz's largest department stores and was engaged what? to Niccolo Chopper, who so that is was the Tin Woodman who played the Piccolo. Woodman. So she, of course, sings a song called Niccolo's Piccolo, because uh, as you do, you you walk up, you introduce yourself, and you sing a song. <laughs> Here's my song. But apparently the munchkins accuse her of being of being a witch. Should we do a little scene Here's for our scene. listeners? Yes. <laughs> okay, our acting skills are rusty. It's been yeah, a year. Okay, been don't a year, judge. So, okay, scene two, the munchkin country, land of Oz, followed by the descent of the house, crushing of the wicked witch, etc. Discovered chorus of munchkins. Here's a catastrophe. What a dreadful storm. Never in the land of Oz has there been one like it. I wonder from what unknown country the storm blew this house. Such a strange dwelling, so different from ours. The same storm that brought this house has blown half of our home away. Noise off stage, shouts, cries, etc. Voice off stage, Rubens. Bring her along. What's that? Somebody under arrest, <gasps> a strange looking girl. A witch, perhaps. The storm may have been her work. Enter Reuben and Simon with Cynthia. Who's Reuben? <laughs> oh, no. Cynthia. Cynthia. Su- okay, listen to this. Cynthia suggests madness in her costume and makeup. <laughs> Just a suggestion. What? Here's an enchantress. Do any of you know her? No! Who are you and where do you come from? My name is Cynthia and I'm a lady lunatic. <gasps> All recoil from her. Does the asylum know you are out? Fear nothing, I am not dangerous. Your reason? I've lost my reason. (gasps) She's a sorceress to the river with her! That's no way to treat a perfect lady lunatic. If you sink, we'll believe you. But I will not sink! I've been taking swimming lessons from a banker. (laughs) Swimming lessons from a banker? Yes, he taught me how to float alone. (laughs) To the river! (laughs) Oh my gosh. What is that scene? He told me how to float alone. He told but me how I'll to ju- float. I bet the audience was like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 Cynthia. I'm a lady lunatic. Like, I just love that she's like, know, I'm a lady lunatic. Are we like, supposed yeah, to know who that is? It's so great. I'm and just, she, she learned how to swim from a banker, so. I'm obsessed with her. There's stores in Oz. And now the Witch of the North enters. With, Lo- a, with, a, slew, with a slew of other folks. <laughs> like, we have Sir Dashamoff, the Poet Laureate. <laughs> 
Um, and that that he announces like the cyclone also brought this Pastoria dude, <laughs> who's so the weird. rightful king of Oz. Forget Ozma, right. Pastoria, Pastoria back to his homeland. Well, this is also before he wrote Marvelous. That's true. That yes, out yes, there. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's yeah, he's against the man who came in the balloon, mm-hmm. and he wants to reclaim his throne. Yes, and he also uh, has his girlfriend. His girlfriend Trixie is there. Trixie is your your Trixie. This I would is your love role. to play Trixie. She's also another waitress. Like they She's love waitress. waitresses and sales ladies, um, which is very like American service industry. Right. But they sing a weird song called In Michigan. Like, here's where it's well, like, yeah. what? Like, we can tell, we could say anything, right? Like, anything. Like, they're not on Earth, but they're singing about places from Earth. Um, so Dorothy is marveling at the land, and apparently Dash Moff has written a song for her, and he thinks her name is Caroline Berry. Because why wouldn't it be? Because I'm not, <laughs> and he's really sad when she says no. And then here, the Good Witch gives Dorothy a magic ring that can grant three wishes and summon the Good Witch at any time. So the shoes are out completely? Shoes are out, yes. Okay. No shoes. It's a magic ring that she doesn't know how to use. And here's my favorite part. (laughs) Dorothy apparently wastes her first wish by singing the song Carrie Berry. I'm very confused what that means. (laughs) She, like, maybe she wishes to know how to sing it and she wishes and then sings it? Oh, my God. She wastes her first wish, so... She misses her dad, though. They keep talking about that Aww. in this first scene. Like, she just wants to go home. So that's clear. Yeah. 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 So she... Yeah, she... Oh, okay. This is how it works. I got it. Tell me. I got how it works. So, dude Dashimoff. Dashimoff? <laughs> Dashimoff. He sings the song, and she goes, oh, like, I don't know Carrie Berry. Like... <laughs> I, but I like it anyway, and I wish that I knew it. Oh, no. She says, I wish that I knew it. Ugh. And then she uses the wish because she said wish. And then no! she sings the song because... And she's like, dang it. Yeah. My wish has gone. Then there's some guy named, like, General Risk. General Risk. I think he gets cut later. Like, so many of these characters don't last till Broadway. Like, they, they don't got make, cut. They get cut. <laughs> Please know Trixie's last name is Trifle. Trixie, Trixie Trifle. Trifle. And apparently there's a one-man army of Pastoria. They just have one man. Um, and apparently the general is, like, trying to sell tickets for his coronation. Oh, good. To finance some revolution. Yeah, there's so much happening. He used to work as a mechanic in Kansas, and that's when he sings Michigan, I guess. Oh, that's the Michigan song? You know what? To be honest, don't know. There's just, like, it's (laughs) literally, okay, everyone just picture, like, everyone walking up, like, it doesn't matter who you are. You walk up and go, this is my name, and and I'm going to sing a song. Yeah. And okay. then we get on the journey. Here's the journey. And so, this changes, of course, over time, like, of what songs they actually sang. Of, like, right. we get the Scarecrow, we get the Tin yeah. Woman. These songs. And they're going to see the wizard. Ch-ch-ch-change. And that stays close with Dorothy. Dorothy meets the Tin the tin Man. Dorothy meets um, the Scarecrow. And that, again, is going to be that comic act of Stone and Montgomery. Montgomery and Stone, actually, I think is what they were known as. Fred Stone, yeah. Yeah, Fred yeah, Stone, yeah. David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is going to be music that changes throughout time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then... The lion. The lion meets up with Pastoria, mm-hmm. right? Yes, apparently the lion is there. He can't speak, as we know. Um... Which Arthur Hill apparently still gave an acclaimed performance, even despite no lines. Um, Get it, Arthur Hill. But they capture the lion, and they disguise themselves as a traveling circus, pretending the lion is part of their act. And also, like, there's something happening with, like, 
Dude Dashimov and Cynthia. Dude like something's going on with them. They're having something happen. I also think um the Tin Woodman loved Cynthia, right? The That's, Tin Woodman yeah. loves Cynthia. The She's Chopper. the lost yes. lover, which is why Cynthia went mad because she, she like disappeared. And this is also why Nicholas Chopper, the name, goes into the Marvelous Land of Oz book. It's yeah, from the musical exactly. Travaganza. Yes, he was inspired by this, yeah. Okay, I really <sighs> wanted us to sing this song. When you love, love, love. It sounds it really... When you love, love, love in Mad Delirium, when to love, love, that's quite sincere you come. There's nothing so divine, there's nothing half so fine as the gladness of your madness. When you love, love, love. Gorgeous! <laughs> that must be how it goes. I mean, that's the song that Dorothy the Scarecrow on the Tin Woodman sang. Huge, oh huge hit. Huge hit. And then this is when things get exciting. We ooh, get to the poppy ooh. field. The poppies are there. And the poppies were They're obsessed life-size. with. Okay. They're the portrayed co- by women. Costumes. Let's just talk the about costumes the costumes. The costumes are gorgeous. We should post on our Instagram. We definitely will. So the costumes, like your body, if you were a poppy, you was were in like a green, um, flowing. Yeah. Like you're like the tree. You're the, you're the stem. You're the stem. It's a green, mm. flowy cloths. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very magical. And then your top of your head was the, like, the, the red. Poppies. Yeah, the red poppy. So when they were turned around, they really just looked like set pieces. Right. Which is What a surprise cool. that must have been. Oh, that must have been what so cool. an extravaganza. Cool. And this, of course, in this scene, this is where snow is introduced um, mm-hmm. to a way to... Sp- take out the poppies that mm-hmm. the MGM film would use. One of the this only... This is the thing that carried over. Here are... I will tell you three of the things that carried over from the extravaganza. The farmhands. So having, like, a lively world in Kansas before mm-hmm. going to Oz Ooh. inspired the MGM movie. <gasps> yes. The snowstorm saving Dorothy and her companions from the deadly scent of the puppies. And for turning Dorothy's adventures into a dream. Right. Yeah. Huge. That's huge. That That's was huge. embedded in this. Okay. So the poppies are full of opium. And they, <laughs> casual. They all fall asleep except the scarecrow and tin woodman. And then, yes, the snow queen. And it says her children. They, oh, yeah. Snow girl and snow boy. They appear in a sleigh pulled got, by I've a reindeer. This pictures. is Christmas now. And all the sleeping characters are put in the sleigh and they are lifted up. And act one ends. The curtain drops as they ride off into the snow toward the Emerald City. Yes. And Dorothy used her magic ring again to do this. <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> so the act two begins with the gates of the Emerald City. Mm-hmm. The guardian of the gate had a song that got cut. I really wish uh, I the saw guardian this version. Of the gate. Oh, his name was Private Gruff. Just saying. Love it. Okay. Private Gruff. Good to know. Um, there was some, like, number done by the relief guards, which is apparently, like, the only, like, male number, like, male ensemble number. Um, it was, like, a traditional soldier's marching song called Hey Foot Straw Foot. Of course there's that song. (laughs) So there's, like, all this fanfare at the top of entering Emerald City. The sleigh, yeah, they all come back in the sleigh. There's a character named Sir Wiley. I can't with him either. He's He's another one. He's a mad old inventor who scorns all magic. Yeah. He apparently is captured and is sent to the Emerald City dungeon. But he's Why like, is he there? He's well. He's like the wizards are fake. Oh gosh! Yeah, like they're trying to censor yes. him. Yes, he's oh. like, don't go to the wizard. Don't do it. Okay, wait. Here comes my favorite character. Oh my! Gosh. I have so many favorites. They're all great. Princess Weenie Tots. Here she is. She's also cut eventually. Bye bye. But she's Pastoria's angel child. What I think the, that means what? Love child. <laughs> angel child. And 
I don't really understand her purpose. Oh yeah, like she's around when like the wizard is like showing off his lame-o tricks. Um, yeah, he has all those tricks He's again. like something with an egg or swords. I don't really know. He sings a song, Mr. Dooley. Yes, the wizard sings Mr. Dooley. And like we've read that the wizard was probably one of the more offensive yes. uh, characters. Uh, tra- like yeah. he would take on different ethnic stereotypes. Primarily like... Um, like, he did, like, Dutch-German. Mm-hmm. Um, Characterizing. Yeah, and yeah, would constantly be changing his appearance to fool people, so yeah. God knows what that meant. Yeah, we don't We really don't know, know. Yeah. and there's not, honestly, there's not a lot that we're finding to give us specifics on yeah. that. I'm confused in this moment by Cynthia's Cynthia. Back. She's, like, <laughs> running around asking everyone, like, the wizard and Pastoria, if he is her Niccolo. What? Wrote what? Like, don't you know what he looks like? I guess maybe she forgot. So she is really distraught because she can't find the Tin Woodman, Nick Chopper. Yeah, she sings a song with like all the girls about like the moon. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that right. song was offensive though. Okay. Don't want to look at the lyrics. Um, and then does the ball of nation? Is this the ball oh of God. all nations? Yes, I think that begins soon. It says anywhere up to twelve songs are sung by various characters. Guys, like this was a four-hour event. Like you were just at the twelve theater. songs. <laughs> wait, wait. Here comes the big one. The big one. The song that was the hit. This was the hit. What of would the you? Show. Okay. What would you think a song from the Wizard of Oz musical extravaganza that would be a hit would be called? Like it would be called like at least like. Wizard or Razzle like Dazzle. <laughs> at least like Razzly Dazzly Wizard. Wizard. No, it is not. It's called Sammy. 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 The end. And who is Sammy? No one knows. You. It's up to you to decide. But what was interesting about Sammy was usually it was sang to a specific person in a yeah. box in the theater, mm-hmm. and everyone would fight and clamor over. They the wanted seat. that ticket. But it's like what marketing move? Total marketing move. Um. Apparently now the wizard is performing a basket trick. Oh, yeah. And this is when, like, all these, like, again, numbers from different, like, it's a world nations the, ball, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, ball of nations. Ball of all nations. So offensive. Yikes. <laughs> so that's right, what it like, was. Right, like, I was reading that somehow, somehow there were all of these, like, Irish people, German, Italian. Who's playing them? But this is not Earth. Like, Oz yeah. has these countries? I'm confused. It's so confusing. <laughs> and then, like, Pastoria and Trixie, like overthrow the wizard or try yeah, to overthrow there's a commotion. the wizard because that's their lifelong mission. <laughs> but um, the wizard escapes. And the scarecrow and the tin one, oh my god, this is, oh yeah, I mentioned this to you. Like, for whatever reason, the wizard's costumes are like lobsters. Don't know why. Why? There, and there's a song about lobsters. <sighs> there's a note somewhere in this book okay. that I can't remember about like lobsters being really like flimsy and comical, but I was like, Really? Like inspired a whole. This costume. is what they. This is what they had back in nineteen. So. <laughs> Lobsters were really ah! striking a funny bone. <laughs> Look at that lobster. Yeah, you're right. So, the wizard does lame-o tricks again. He does lame-o tricks as he continues, which is my favorite part of the series. But he escapes in his hot air balloon, and so I guess <laughs> that, so now that devil. So I guess Pastoria wins. Like he's the yeah. rightful ruler, um, and Dorothy. And her companions set off to the castle of Glinda, the good witch of the south. That's act two, right? Act two. End of act two. So, like, act three. Super short. Yeah, and this also, this is the act that changed, I think, the most. The Broadway version became completely different. But this act is set in a dreamland, like another, it's like a borderland. The borderland, right? Yes. That's what it was. 
What? I mean, here we meet the Dreamland youths, the Dreamland maids, <laughs> and the Cavaliers. I mean, there's just, it's endless, like, words of people. <laughs> <laughs> They're welcomed at the palace, and yeah, apparently everyone's celebrating. Dorothy has a romance song called I'll Be Your Honey in the Springtime. Ooh! Okay, Dorothy. Who's she singing to? I see you, Dorothy! Linda promises to send Dorothy home, but do we know if she does? She does send she her does? home. She does? Okay. What happens to Cynthia Cinch? Right? I mean, the Tin Woodman doesn't really care. Like, he's just getting his heart. <laughs> My note wrote, this show sounds terrible. This sounds <laughs> terrifying. What happens to Trixie? I can't keep track of all these people. Like, I need a spreadsheet. But the show ends with <laughs> the, the finale show. performed by the entire cast. The whole cast rushes out and, and they sing. Yeah, apparently. like the Traveler and the Pie. Like, <laughs> the Traveler and the Pie. Apparently Traveler and the Pie was by Paul. It was from the Octopus musical, apparently. Oh my god. They <laughs> dug something out from the <laughs> they Octopus were like, musical. Let's end the show with this. I mean, this note says here the here the here is vaudeville type clowning rather than vulnerable humanity. That feels exactly yeah, it's, right. It's, it's not supposed to make you really think about anything, right? Yes. And, like, all the women are lost and that are written in this musical. They're, which is, they're, they're lunatics. Yeah, or like, like, they're all, like, just lost and, like, following a guy dopey-eyed. Yeah, so. yeah, poor Cynthia. Like, what happens to her, you know? And this note Which says, is Nimmy Amy, right? Yes. Cynthia <laughs> is Nimmy Amy. I was so mad and I realized the forest witch was written out. But, like, Trixie is literally just, like, a sexy decoration lady. Like, she was literally in the most scantily clad I really wonder what Baum thought of all this. Like, this is nowhere near his original intention. No. The three women. The witch is gone. The three women. Dorothy represents the romantic virgin. Trixie, the seasoned sexual being. And Cynthia, the victim of love gone wrong. Poor Cynthia. Poor Cynthia. I feel bad for her. Also, like, what? Yeah, in this version, political intrigue and lust for power become, like, the only kind of plot story in this. (laughs) Wow. I mean, it's just hilarious. It is also fun to note, like, the little things that they were trying to make comments on at the time, like Pastoria scalping tickets for the coronation as a way to finance a revolution, which was, like, totally a parody of what was happening at the time in the Chicago theater scene. Oh, yeah, this is it. Um, There was this uh, extravaganza called Evangeline in 1874, and I think Mm. that had... They stole a lot from that, and I think they're... Yeah, they... I think had a cow or something in their (laughs) production or some kind. Like, dogs on stage was not a thing yet. no. I read that Dorothy did get a kiss of protection. In the origin, in that version? Is that the same? Sure. I don't okay. think I saw that. <laughs> Who knows? Do you know she left by another means of a cyclone? A cyclone took oh, her Oh, really? Back. That took her back to Kansas. Yeah. But we never get, like, a scene of her back in Kansas. I don't perhaps. know. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. Ah. I'm just going to read this. Dorothy does not really learn anything on her journey, nor does she emerge a richer character for having made it. Oh, this is just like Instagram. Finally, although her return home is promised at the end, the audience never witnesses it. So there you go. Your question is okay. All right, there. it's just sort of like this was a thing that happened. But yeah. apparently, people loved it. They went crazy. I know. 
I think like we we glue on to these kinds of things now, but like yeah, reading this kind of like realization that Dorothy didn't really have self determination in this version. She's mm, yeah. she is everything is out of her control. She there's no like she doesn't find anything within herself. I'm not surprised that she was portrayed that way back in back in the day, but I do wonder if Bomb. I'm sure he was a little perhaps frustrated with that. Yeah. I, yes. Okay, so we're going to get into now a little bit about, like, the backstage and, like, all the theater antics that we've discovered in this. But I just thought I would start us off by reading Bomb's Curtain Speech on opening night. Did you (gasps) read this? No! It's actually pretty sweet. So here we go. Great. Kind friends, thank you for your enthusiasm. It is heartwarming. Also note... He had to say this multiple times because people encored this. Just <gasps> they encored his speech? Yeah, so it is Encores heartwarming. Huge. You have been generous enough to call for the author, but I do not need to remind you that he is only one of many whose efforts are you are enjoying tonight. If you will pardon a homely comparison, our play is like a plum pudding, which combines the flavor of many ingredients. The author contributes only the flour, necessary of course, but only to hold the other good things together. What would the Wizard of Oz be without the spice of Paul Teachin's wonderful music or the brilliant scenery of Walter Burridge, the skill of that master stage chef Julian Mitchell, the golden touch of manager Fred Hamlin, and above all, our agile comedians Dave Montgomery and Fred Stone, and the plums and peaches of our talented stage company. All of us are happy you have enjoyed the show, and we hope that you and your friends will be back for a second helping. Also just noticed, no Denslow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned another guy. For Shade! He mentioned someone yes. else. Well, Denzel didn't... Oh, he I was mad. He was over oh my God, so this have, relationship. This is clear. Like, I didn't even notice I, that the first yeah, time. Like, yeah. they probably were already not on He's speaking like, mm, terms. I'm not mentioning your name. Bye. Wow. That is awesome. That is wild. All right, y'all. Well, that is part one. I mean, I don't know how many parts we're going to have because there's a lot to discuss. But we'll be back in your earbuds soon to continue talking about the cast, how this was received. I mean, it went on tour. Um, It led to, obviously, further iterations of Oz through bombs. So we will be back in your earbuds soon. And welcome to season two. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks.